Welcome to the Silver Screen and Roll post-game podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined tonight by Sabrina Merchant. Sabrina, should we just, you know, kind of three-quarter speed this thing and, and try to avoid <laughs> overtime? Is that, the, is that the goal here? I just feel bad for all the listeners who are expecting Christian Rivas on the Monday show and are denied all of his, you know, Kyle Kuzma <laughs> standing today. <laughs> I, I'm sure, like, if, if Christian and I had recorded he would have just started out with let's go for like 15 <laughs> seconds. He would still be going. Actually, we would get to break and he would just be like stopping for breath. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm happy for Kuzma. I'm happy for, for, for Christian and, and everybody who, who uh, stood by Kuzma to this point. He's been the best Laker, do you think, in Orlando? I would say he has definitely been the most consistent Laker yeah, in Orlando. I would it. hesitate to say best because, you know, even when LeBron James goes half speed or whatever, he's still pretty good. Uh, but I beg to differ. <laughs> to, okay. okay. Today was tonight, a, you know, tonight my... <laughs> in the opposite direction. <laughs> um, even so, even so. Uh, yeah, Kuz has been just tremendous through these uh, six seeding games, even the preseason. I mean – I, I thought he was off to a great start when he got, uh, you know, uh, benched for that one game. And Trudell was like, yeah, the Lakers are letting their veterans sit this one out. And Kuz is like, I'm only 25, guys. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't missed since. Has like not probably, missed. <laughs> you ever have those days where you send a good tweet and it just rolls over into to multiple good tweets? And then it leads to a heat check that Harrison has to talk to you about later and asks <laughs> you to take down. Have, has that ever happened to... Anybody it's just else? like a bit of a specific experience you're describing. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> um, I do want to start. We'll, we'll talk about Kuzma, I think, as the show goes along. But mm-hmm. I kind of want to start. So it's kind of funny. And it's funny in one of those it's annoying kind of funny things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, when Jen says, it's kind of funny how the dishes just never seem to get done. Or you just always seem to have to go to the bathroom when it's time to do the dishes. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of funny in that regard that like the Clippers could lose to the uh, Brooklyn Nets who are playing without Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And I think mm-hmm. DeAndre Jordan, I think at Which, this point, you know, could be good or bad depending on your mileage. Yeah, good point, good point. They're they're essentially like they're waiting for Richard Jefferson to to suit up and and Jason Kidd and Vince Carter um from those old New Jersey Nets teams. Uh but as that's going on, not a peep from Twitter. Nobody's really worried about him, just kind of, you know, <laughs> oh, well, that happened. And then the Bucks, I think right now, I think are also 2 and 4. And you yeah, hear a little bit more noise about them because of like the type of losses that they're taking on occasion, but still they're Milwaukee. So like the jump is, is still waiting to find out where Giannis is going to go in a couple seasons. The Lakers could very clearly be playing like they, at one point tonight were playing uh Markeith Morris, Taylor Horton, Tucker and Dion waiters. And people are treating this thing as if they, the Lakers desperately needed tonight's game against the Denver Nuggets. (laughs) What the, (laughs) am I, am I missing something or is it just like, Hey, Whoa, it's fun to just kind of worry about the Lakers. Yeah. So I'm not going to be much help here because I came into this game thinking it would be really nice to see the Lakers win a game. 
I know that they've won two in the restart. There are literally no stakes left because there is no home court advantage in the finals. They've already clinched the number one seat. There is nothing to be gained from these games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the very real threat of injury potentially ruining postseason games down the line. And yet there's just been enough lack of something. You know, there's something missing from the Lakers. And I don't think they found it today, but it's certainly a lot easier to take when there's one in the wind call. <laughs> I, think th- I think that's fair. And, and to be fair, like Adam and I were talking, Adam Matas, who covers mm-hmm. the Nuggets for DNVR over there. Um, he and I text back and forth and, and he was asking, you know, how do you think this game is going to go? Do you think the Lakers are going to care? And I said, I'm going to care. Cause like you said, it would be nice to get a win here, but the Lakers wrapped up the number one spot and it's all kind of fart noise from this point on. Like mm-hmm. I think you and I, and, and the people listening are probably even more interested in seeding than even the Lakers might be right. <laughs> like, cause, cause tonight, if if the Lakers wanted to avoid Houston or want to avoid Houston, tonight's win is actually really helpful there. And, Absolutely. And yet LeBron James walks away with one rebound that I'm not totally sure I saw. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I completely agree with you that it, it, it would have been nicer heading into this game. I was saying that the Lakers kind of needed some positive momentum, some, some kind of positive vibes here, whatever. Uh, but I also could see LeBron not really caring about this thing. And then as evidenced uh, by the rest of his tenure in LA and basically everywhere, if LeBron doesn't care, that tends to have a trickle down effect on everybody else. And you saw it with the defense that the Lakers were playing against like the fool's gold nuggets, right? The, 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 the third string, fourth string, uh, PJ Dozier, uh, Keita Bates, Diop, Bull Bull was out there for how many minutes did he play? 21, 21 minutes. minutes. For Bull Bull. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I just, I just can't find it in me to watch the Lakers effort there. And while it's great that they won and it's really cool that Kyle Kuzma got there, got that. Um, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a nice cherry on top of the bubble so far for, for Kyle Kuzma. Uh, I just, I, you can't tell me they really cared about this one. I, I just, I, I, I can't really, take anybody seriously who who really thinks that they desperately needed this W or, or thinks the Lakers thought that way. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think the Lakers came into this game needing something in the win column, but I will say that it looked like they committed more to executing their offense correctly. Absolutely. And even though the defense was not there, not even, I mean, like Anthony Davis had some moments, you know, and, Credit to Kuzma, he was always trying on defense. Like, this was not an effort issue for him at all on the defensive end. But team defense was not quite there. And, you know, that was obviously an issue in the fourth quarter. When that, That's an excellent term, actually, the fool's called. <laughs> uh, I thought it was very important for them to, you know, start to find a rhythm again on offense because, you know, the defense up until today, I think, has been pretty good in Orlando. I think uh, their defensive rating is actually better in the seeding games than it has been, you know, pre-hiatus, which – small sample size, whatever, but that hasn't been the issue, right? It's been that the Lakers just can't hit a wide open shot to save their lives. And I thought it was important that they committed a little bit to developing a rhythm on that end of the floor. And I think you saw that, you know, maybe they weren't trying to win the game, but they were trying to, you know, get back into their feel of things on the offensive end. And there's no better sign of that to me than Danny Green hitting 
threes in the fourth quarter in like a clutch time game. Like that was just a really, really welcome sight. I mean, I can't even believe we're talking about this. It's just, it feels like it's been so long. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) it's been, it's been tough to watch Danny play out there on both ends of the ball too. Like he's making some uncharacteristic defensive mistakes too. Uh, I, I, I basically have a running theory here with the Lakers and, and maybe we'll take a break after I kind of go through this, but my general thought, once the Lakers wrapped up the, uh, the number one seed in the West, which doesn't mean anything, right? Like, you, <laughs> I mean, it means something in the fact that like, you don't have to play Dallas in the first round. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess. I just, I, I'm the only team I'm really actually nervous about playing other than, uh, other than the Clippers is Houston, just because they're such right. a weird team. But the Lakers, mm-hmm. I think, have the length to to bother uh, Doncic, and then and then obviously LeBron and AD. Just the, Dallas doesn't really have any answer for them. But but generally speaking, my my thing here on the Lakers is once they wrapped up that top seed, they went into every game kind of all individually working on something, and mm-hmm. you know I, I think. Uh, like Danny Green, especially to me, has looked because he's had opportunities where, in a normal kind of need to win setting, he would have pulled the trigger even as the defense kind of closed out on him. But I think he's really kind of made a concerted effort to attack closeouts and see how he can handle those situations. I think uh, Anthony Davis really wanted to see how he could play offensively one on one against PJ Tucker. I think LeBron has really tried to uh, – I mean, his focus has basically been don't get hurt and and uh, try to get everybody else going because I think LeBron knows he can get it going um, with, with, with the flip of a switch come playoff time. And and I think if, if you kind of look at it from that perspective, it, it these games turn into preseason games. I think Vogel even has been, you know, kind of fiddling with lineups and also extending his – uh, rotation just to make sure that everybody stays as fresh as possible for, for the postseason. As frustrating as it's been to watch Dion Waiters, like just possession after possession after pe- possession defensively, <laughs> watch the other team. Well, look at the Lakers bench as the other team is score with his palms up in the air. Like what's going on? I can't believe that just happened. You know, uh, I just, I, I think generally speaking, the Lakers kind of look at each game there are some team concepts that they're going to work on there, but, but for actually, for the most part, I think they're more focused on individual concepts to get those things going. And then I think maybe over the next couple games here, as we saw with the offense tonight, the Lakers are going to try to bring all that stuff together. What do you think about the general theory? Yeah, I definitely believe that the Lakers have treated this seeding game and the scrimmage games as a ramp up to the postseason, and they've you know tried to figure out rotation things. Like I think uh, Frank said, you know, a couple games back, it was Talon's turn, and then he got Quinn and Jared Dudley in the game, and you know deliberately didn't play um, Markeith and Dion, you know, just to see what combinations worked. And I'm I'm totally down with that. I think there is like this is a a different roster than the one that the Lakers left with in March, and you have to try to figure some things out and when the games don't have any stakes, it's totally fine to, you know, make those kinds of decisions, but it's just the order of this has been so strange because we started off the seeding games with the Clipper game. And that one clearly mattered to the Lakers. Absolutely. More Mm -hmm. so than it mattered to the Clippers, I would argue, but 
there was a, a force, like an intensity with which the Lakers played with, like maybe LeBron didn't have it going on the offensive end, but you saw him just trying so hard on defense. And like, mm-hmm. like you said, that just carries to the rest of the team. And just to go from that, like back down the ramp has just been very frustrating to watch, even though I understand the logic behind it. It just, the narrative doesn't quite work anymore, right? <laughs> like yeah. you had the Lakers speaking and then coming back down. And again, it all makes sense. Like they need to, figure some things out and just stay healthy before the playoffs start. But it's just annoying to see it go up and down like that. Yeah. I, I just kind of look at it as like a, an early season start for an elite pitcher, right? Where mm-hmm. they'll, they'll rear back and they'll fire their fastball or their best curveball, their best slider, whatever it is, they'll throw their best stuff, you know, just to make sure they still got it. And then from that point kind of cruise a little bit for the rest of their start. And then, you know, as the season goes along, you see more and more and more of those, you know, the, the best stuff. And then finally you get to the postseason and everything everybody is throwing is that pitcher's best stuff. And and I think, like, I think with that Clipper game, obviously LeBron didn't have his fastball offensively. So he said, all right, let's see if I could throw a change up here and really focus on defense. And And when he saw that he could affect the game you know, in, in that manner, especially individually defensively, like when he saw what he could do or when I saw what LeBron could do to Kawhi on possessions or to Paul George on possessions, I said, all right, I think he's going to be all right. Now, some of the rumors that are kind of floating around about LeBron's groin, maybe not being fully healthy are, are definitely worth keeping in mind. But overall, I saw LeBron throw that fastball at least defensively in that Clippers game and then, and then even tonight, like the Lakers, it was a dagger kind of situation. And LeBron comes up and dribbles around for 17 seconds and fires up a terrible three-point shot, right? That let Denver get out and transition. And then eventually Kuzma tried to take a charge, which by the way, get rid of the charge. Come on. <laughs> let's come on. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be interested to see how LeBron – approaches at least stretches of of because tonight like tonight people kept saying oh lebron's back lebron's back and it was like no he's just hitting three pointers you know yeah. he it wasn't it wasn't like physically imposing lebron uh but but you know it'll be interesting to see at least for stretches over the next couple games if if lebron looks more physically imposing on offense than than he has thus far in the bubble, even maybe including that Clippers, that, that, that first Clippers game. Yeah. I think the health is probably the most important thing with LeBron here, right? Like it, it's physically taxing to get into the paint on every possession. And I can understand why he wouldn't want to do that, especially because he, I don't believe that the team itself can flip a switch, but I do think that LeBron personally can flip a switch, uh, especially when it comes to that attack mindset. So yeah, you know, take your 11 three-pointers, which is, ugh, every single one is just a gift to the defense, even if he's making five of them. But, right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so silly. Like, I was, who's hits that shot? And I'm in, like, such an incredibly good mood because it's just fun to watch the Lakers win, right? But Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe, you know, it's, it's – the individual things are definitely more of what the team is focused on than, you know, overall results because – there's only one game left, one seeding game left before the postseason starts. So you got to get these little things figured out. I mean, we can't defend the Bulls' gold nuggets. Then there's a lot of bigger problems down the line. (laughs) 
let's uh let's take a quick second here because I want to talk about Kyle Kuzma and mm-hmm. his overall play in the bubble, and then especially what this one shot might mean for him, right? The way that he and the rest of the team kind of responded to him making that shot was really cool. And for somebody who has heard the amount of noise, I'm sure he has heard. Uh, I, I'm sure that was that was helpful. Um, I want to talk about the Lakers front court here because I've I've reached my breaking point. I can't do it anymore. I can't <laughs> do right. it anymore with McGee. Um, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move on. So I'm interested in your thoughts on those things. And then, and then in general, like you're saying, the Lakers only have one kind of ramp up game seeding game to go. And I'm interested to see how you think they should handle that, uh, right, right before they hit into the playoffs against, uh, team X as of right now. Let's start with the positive just because. Kuzma has been such a great story thus far. I, I follow uh, Kuzma's mom on, on Twitter and, and it's really fun to see her like during good games when Kuzma's playing quote tweeting people saying like, we knew it, we knew it, we knew it. She's like, I know. I think she was in the kind of virtual crowd tonight. So I'm sure that was, that was even more fun for him to be able to look up after hitting that shot and see his mom up there. That was probably pretty cool, but, but just in general, I kind of want to talk about we, we've 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 alluded to individual things that different players have been working on, but I don't think there could be a bigger development, maybe across the entire league, than Kuzma turning into a potential legitimate three and D type player. Yeah, I mean that's very fair because the Lakers have been searching all season for that third star or third you know piece to consistently perform alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And there's really no more valuable player archetype in the league than a 3 and D player, especially when you already have LeBron James handling mm-hmm. the vast majority of the creative duties, you know, on the team. Uh, I, I never really saw the D part coming with Kuz. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I love Kuz. I mean, like I, you know, on the board of calling him, you know, our Lord and savior Kyle Kuzma back in 2017, 18, when he came out in that rookie season and just like couldn't miss. And yep. He's always been a lot of fun to watch, but like even when, you know, Laker Filmer would make those videos about like how like this is what Kyle Kuzma is like doing on his like defensive heater those five games and it would just like dissipate, right? Uh, yeah. I never really bought into it, but it's, it's an unbelievable turn of events for the Lakers because to give LeBron a rest on defense, like against other wings, you know, seeing what Kyle did against Kawhi Leonard and um. I feel like I'm forgetting another important defensive assignment that he took on in the most recent seeding games, but he's just been so solid. And that's not an adjective that we use to describe Kuzma very often. He's flashy and he's like, you know, scores and bursts and uh, he's, he has like star power, right? Even though he's not technically a star, but for him to just be solid for the Lakers is just an unbelievable win. Yeah. I, I think that's a great way to put it. That was always kind of, my annoyance with, with Kuzma was, dude, we, we aren't asking for much, man. Like, <laughs> like the, the Lakers really aren't asking for much other than just like hit open jumpers at the same rate you did your rookie season. That's it. And if you, and if you do anything beyond that defensively, then dude, we got a made in the shade, but, but for like right now, let's just focus on making those shots. And, and, you know, early on, even before the, the seeding games, we saw Kuzma, go out of his way, I thought, to really play 
kind of in-your-face physical defense on Luka Doncic. And as that was going on, I kind of made a mental note of, all right, is he pushing this to see what his, you know, what his limitations might be, how he can scale it back, you know, whether or not he can actually do that stuff on a more regular basis, or was he just, you know, kind of pushing himself without any kind of anything else really in mind? And uh, lo and behold, he has kind of scaled back the, the physicality a little bit and played a little bit more kind of contained defense on the perimeter. And then, you know, that I think has, I think it's also a result of him making as many shots as he's making. You know, you, you tend to see that, especially with young players, where if they, if they are making shots on the other end, if they're playing really well on offense, that tends to carry over to the floor slapping type defense on, on uh, as, as the game kind of goes <laughs> on. And, and I, 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 you know, I, I still think it might be more than that though, you know, just in, just in his general approach. And, and like you said, if, 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 you know, cause Danny green is seen as the Lakers kind of best non LeBron wing defender. And I think Danny Green, I think, is listed at about six six, maybe. I I can't imagine he's much taller than that. He might even be six five. Mm-hmm. So if your best kind of wing defender who isn't LeBron is only six six, and you're talking about, you know, the Kawhi Leonards of the world who are legit six seven, six eight. You have Paul George who looks to be a little closer to six nine. You mm-hmm. have even Luca who you know, isn't super athletic, but I think he's also in that kind of six, seven ish range. Uh, and, and, you know, so on and so forth from there, Giannis is like a legit seven feet tall. It does like actually really help to have somebody who is capable of staying in front, but also is just flat out longer. And, and, you know, when somebody goes up to shoot a jumper, they can actually see their hand, you know, somewhere in the picture between them and the basket. And so for, for Kuzma, if he's actually hitting three-pointer, I don't think the three-point shooting is really going to continue. I think he's upwards of almost like 50% uh, <laughs> in the bubble. I don't, I don't think that's going to continue. But if that, if that kind of you know, settles at about 35-ish percent, anywhere, anywhere higher than 35, and the defense continues, then that's a legit playoff rotation player. And you know, at that position, the Lakers have – basically just LeBron who I, who I really feel comfortable right now at in making that kind of description, uh, especially, you know, tonight shooting aside with Danny green, he's been bad like, since Orlando started. And it's so bad that I had somebody asking on, on the locked on mailbag, Hey, is his podcasting getting in the way of him actually being a good basketball player? <laughs> uh, yeah. And, um... Yeah. And, and just to kind of close up, like, I, I think, I think, one thing that I was kind of reluctant to do heading into the season with Kuz was to pencil him into the final five. But if he's going to continue playing this way, he has to be out there to close games just flat out. Yeah, I think we talked about this. Um, I forget if it was after the Clipper game or a different game, but it was to the point where when Kuz was on the bench, you just kept feeling like, how long can Frank steal these minutes? You know, like we need Kuz back <laughs> right. in the game. And I had that same feeling again today in the fourth quarter. Like, we need to get Kuzma back on the floor because I, I always wanted him to be in the closing lineup because he just has the potential mm-hmm. to be something better than anybody else on the Lakers roster. And, you know, he has a little creative juice. He's, you know, capable off the bounce. He's, he's just like, he makes defenses work, you know, when he's 
doing the right thing more than any other player that the Lakers could put in his slot. And he's like also like scalable, you know, between like the three and the four. I, I kind of like him as this like small forward thing where he plays on the wing a little bit more, but he, he can play the four, you know, next to a bigger guy. So that just gives the Lakers more options on how to use him. Uh, even the 50% on three pointer thing, like he's always been really good from the corners and he's kind of restricting himself more to the corner. Plus like the, the wing ish area near the corner, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. if we can just excise those above the break threes from Kuz, like there's no reason he can't be a decent shooter because he's always been good from that particular spot. Uh, but yeah, like I just, I, I find myself having very little bad to say about Kyle Kuz. He's just, he's been very consistent the whole way through. Like, I mean, the Lakers were down KCP today, right? And they started Kyle Kuzma, even though KCP nominally defends point guards, right? Like this is just the versatility of Kuzma. You can just throw him in and like the lineup still works. And I'm just really happy for him. Like the fact that, you know, Vogel clearly designed that last play for him to get the game winning shot is really cool. Yeah. I don't remember that happening for Kuzma at any point over the last two seasons and, you know, like, he was pumped, obviously, like, Danny Green and Anthony Davis were pumped. The bench was just losing it. Like, this is just a very, you know, like, momentous – I don't want to say momentous moment because that's just redundant. But, like, it's a big moment for him. You yeah, know, that very he notable. got this opportunity and he delivered. And it was just the capper on what had been a really excellent game for him. I also – I, I kind of wonder, on top of, I think, Vogel kind of wanting to reward Kuzma for how well he's played – uh, I kind of also wonder, because Kuzma seems to kind of chase end of quarter shots. Yeah, he that, does. <laughs> you know, that, that whether, whether it, which is great. Like to me, in a league that you see all kinds of people like taking the extra dribble to avoid shooting it from half court or, or you know, I've seen some guys like almost travel uh, trying yeah. <laughs> to avoid taking that last shot. Uh, you know, in, in a league where, where you see a bunch of guys doing that, I actually really like that Kuzma just goes out there and says, no, this is an extra attempt. I'm, I'm yeah, a good enough shooter. I want to try. Yeah, yeah, shoot the heave. Hashtag shoot the heave. We've had hashtag ban the charge and hashtag shoot the heave. This is officially as on brand a show as I could possibly do. I just got to make like a terrible pun or something like that. And uh, and a terrible pun. And, and we'll be all set. But uh, but yeah, I, I think I think the, the point that you made about Vogel, like designing the play for Kuzma is is something that we really have to take note of because – you know, the one thing I think Vogel is very good at is understanding players as people. And, and, and I think one thing that you have to do, and, and it's something that I think he's kind of come up short in some spots here with how he's treated, how he's handled Caruso, how he's handled Rajon Rondo, is you have to either punish players for, for coming up short of your, of your expectations or reward them when they deserve it. And I think with JaVale McGee, um, you know, he had that random DNP game uh, or whatever. Wouldn't a shot, wouldn't exactly shock me if he was benched in that game. And if that's the case, then that's Vogel like sending a message. Hey, dude, you got to clean your stuff up. And, and I think here's the other side of that coin where Kuzma has been so good and has been probably, I, even while we've said, you know, whether it's best or mo- most consistent, he is the player who has most consistently played the hardest. And, and that's somebody that mm-hmm. you as a coach should probably re- reward. And he did. And tonight, you know, kind of Kuzma, Kuzma helped pay that off. Um, last thing before we get out of here, the Lakers have one more seeding game to go. Do you think they treat it as a dress rehearsal or do you think they, 
get guys rest who who they can get some rest for and and see how the chips fall with with whoever they're going to play in the first round. I think this game is going to look like a, a, a travesty because it's against the Sacramento Kings, who have just been like maybe the worst team in the bubble other than the Washington Wizards. And yep. they are already going to bench all of their starters. So whatever, you know, dress rehearsal the Lakers could even attempt to get is just going to be impossible against whatever product Luke Walton puts on the court. So I wouldn't expect much out of the, the last game of the season. Please tell me you saw that quote from oh my God. Fox. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, I, uh, you know, there were, there were parts of, like, you know, the last few games where I just kept thinking, like, thank goodness Luke Walton is no longer the coach of this team. It's been fun because, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, you, you, you uh, I don't know if you still follow them, but, but like, Greg Wissinger um, or, or Bradley or all of the, the Kings. The, well, I think that's only guys, two yeah. Kings people I can actually interact with. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's been funny to listen to them, you know, either – actually cite directly Luke Walton's quotes or quote, quote, tweet them or whatever. And I found myself like every time some kind of situation comes along and Luke's about how, you know, we got to, we got to build this culture and this is just a step along the path or whatever. And I just found myself saying like, how have you not learned anything? (laughs) (laughs) You, you, You got fired from your dream job, bud. And you, you, you went back and you did the exact same thing in Sacramento. This is what you, this is what you've learned. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that quote, for, for those of you who don't know, De'Aaron Fox was basically asked about uh, the, the team's identity over the course of the season, and he chose that uh, as an opportunity to basically said that Luke Walton didn't game plan for the Houston Rockets, which, <laughs> <laughs> which kind which, of like, if you don't know indirectly how to answered the question. Houston, like, <laughs> it's not like they do anything particularly complicated. <laughs> Coach, what do you want to do? Hey, who's that lefty out there with a beard? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, whatever ailments, you know, the Lakers have been dealing with over the last few games, at least Frank Vogel is the head coach. Thank Amen. Thank Amen. goodness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, and on Locked on Lakers, I'm going to keep trying to get Pete fired <laughs> by bringing up Luke Walton. Um, all right, that's going to do it for this episode of the late, uh, Silver Screen and Roll Lakers podcast show. I, we still got to work on a better title of that. Uh, the Lakers game is uh, supposed to come in there somewhere. <laughs> the, uh, the Lakers avoid overtime. The Nuggets also avoid overtime, not shooting a three-pointer when they're down by three with uh, uh, only about a second to go. Uh, but like I said, they go Lakers go 124 to the Nuggets 121. Uh, and and kind of right the ship there a little bit. One more of these seeding games to go, and then the playoffs will be underway. So plenty of reason to tune in, not just for how the Lakers are playing, but for who it might be that the Lakers face in the first round, and then eventually in the second round, uh, and and so on and so forth from there. So uh, fun couple nights left here in the remaining uh, what's left of the regular season. And, and it's going to be bananas. The, the, over, over the next two days, the Lakers might have like 33 different scenarios of who they might face in the first round. Uh, so, so if nothing else, you guys get to listen to me try to do math. <laughs> Always a good time. <laughs> Always fun. Uh, have a great rest of your nights, everybody. Please continue to be safe out there. And we will talk to you again next time the Lakers play.
Well, I won't. Somebody will. And then there's <laughs> another show before that. Have a good one. Get, 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 get